Welcome to On Demand. This is Pastor Ricky Temple, one of my favorite places to be. Do you know that 72% of the people who watch us, watch us on demand, that's right, they're like you. They watch the Word of God when they want to, and we're honored that you're with us today. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to join us for a special Thanksgiving kind of sermon. And it fits into the series on unity. And I want to show you how important it is to be unified and thankful. And what the Bible says can happen when you are and the danger of not being thankful. So stay right there. The Word's going to be good for you today. And you might like it and send it and link it to a friend. Enjoy the message. I'll be back to pray for you at the end. Well, I pray you enjoy Thanksgiving. I am a Thanksgiving fan. As a matter of fact, I'm a holiday fan. And I really appreciate the opportunity for you to be with me today to celebrate this holiday season. I am going to talk more about holidays in general down the road. I have a whole series I want to do on why not just have fun with the holidays and attitudes that can stop you from having fun. So we'll talk about that later. But today, I'm going to close out our series. We talk about the importance of knowing what works and what doesn't work. And there are some things that don't work. One thing that doesn't work is division. Division never helps us. And so in this study, my goal has been to take you through this journey. Now, I want to use Israel as an example in the book of Numbers, and I want to show you how they became an ungrateful nation. Now, they evolved to become a thankful nation eventually, but they went through a journey. The Bible says in Corinthians that this was all written for our admonition, their story, where they were successful, where they failed, to show us how to succeed, what to do and what not to do. And one of the big issues with them was not being grateful. They came to moments in life when they were not thankful. So during this season, it's really an important topic for us to talk about. And I want to show you an example of a nation that was unthankful, ungrateful. They became people who lost their way. And I, I use the word thankful because we're in this season, right? Unthankful, ungrateful, same idea. And chapter uh, four, 16, rather, let's start there, uh, verse 1 of the book of, of Exodus there is this incredible story. And then we're going to go to the book of Numbers next in Numbers 14. But let's start in Exodus 16, verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month. That's important, 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Now, I want you to notice with me. These are people who were enslaved for 400 years. These are people that were in long term bondage. These were people that were in big trouble, but they had lost their ability to say thank you. They lost their ability to say, I realized that God had been good to us and they were no longer celebrating God's goodness. They, were, they had become arrogant, selfish, narrow-minded, um, just downright combative. And so I love the fact that it's just written and described, honestly. So if we were to look at your life and look at the facts and say, okay, God brought you from where, well, I don't know where where is, but for you, wherever where is. He brought you from here to there. Now, are you appreciative for that journey? For some of you, you have more money, more opportunity than you've ever had. Okay, some of you lost some stuff, okay, but you learned from it, so you'll be better next time. But I want you to think about you survived it. However, whether, you, whether it was easy or not your fault or somebody else's fault, you survived it. 
they had come through 400 years of this bondage and now they were free and ungrateful. Refused to be thankful. Instead, they grumbled. There's something about listening to yourself talk. Are you a grumbler, always complaining, always frustrated, always, thinking, oh, my life is not good, my life is bad. And you look in the mirror and beat up on yourself. So watch this now. And this is very important because some of you, the devil can take the day off or the year off because you do such a good job of beating your own life up. He doesn't have to do anything. You talk about yourself. You talk about your body. You talk about, you know, you talk about your family. You talk about your church. You talk about your leader. You talk about the government. You talk about everybody. You know, you're not happy to be an American. You're not happy to be a European. You're not happy to be a, you're not happy with anything. I mean, you, you just are a one person wrecking crew. These people had come through 400 years. You would think they would be thankful. It's not easy. It's not perfect. But their life wasn't perfect where they were. Instead, they want to fantasize about what life used to be. You ever did that? Just fantasize. I remember when I was married. Life was so good. Now I used to beat on you. You forgot about that? You remember the job. You fired me. Yes, but you know they were horrible to work for. I mean, what, what is it that you don't remember? These are people who are forgetting, which is one of the things I'm going to mention in a minute. It's easy to forget stuff. So they grumble, they complain, they want to go back to Egypt. You brought us out here to die. Our lives are bad. Everything is awful. Everybody's awful. It's awful. It's awful. It's awful. But God has the issue with this. In Numbers chapter 14, God says, okay, I've had enough. He sends them to a place called Kadesh Barnea. They are on the border of the promised land. They're about to go into this special land God has designed just for them. And it's kind of like the day before, you know, when God's about to bless them, they send these spies in, the spies come back with a horrible report. We can't go in there and we can't beat those people. They're big, got big muscles, and they complain and complain. But it's beautiful, they said, but we can't do that. Right? Okay. And so what happens is, watch what the Lord said. Verse 20, verse 20 of Numbers chapter 14. This is so rich. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them, as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the, the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of them, those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors, not one, no, no one who's treated me with contempt will ever see it. What is that about? Well, let me give you a little scoop. The people rebel against the idea of going to this new promised land after the spies come back with this bad report. And then they start to murmur again, threaten to kill Moses. They're angry, they're frustrated. All this is in Numbers 14. You read it on your own. And God is, is angry and says, let me just destroy all these people. And Moses intercedes for them and says, no, 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 don't do that. You know, he prays for them. And so they, they basically, God says, okay, I'm not going to kill them because you prayed, because you interceded. You'd be surprised how many of us are only alive because of intercession, because somebody interceded for us, because somebody prayed for us. We deserve death. Some of us don't deserve another opportunity, another chance. You don't deserve another chance. You've done enough to be judged. Yes, you have. Nobody knows what you've done. You know. 
Your pride alone is enough to get you judged. Your arrogance alone. The fact that you have denied God access to anything in your life, your money, your time, all of that is he's been locked out of all of that. He could easily say, I'll tell you what. I don't have to bless you. But he but anyway, this story, that's what that's where he is. God's fed up. He's tired. So numbers 14, he says to Moses, I'm going to get them all. Moses intercedes. God says, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to kill them. But here's what's going to happen. Not one of them. It's very specific. Here's the, here, is, here is what unthankful, ungrateful behavior leads to. He says, not one of them will enter into the land that I promised. Not one of them over the age of 20, not 20 and over, none of them, none of the people who are 20 years old and older, you got to read this, it's an amazing story. Not one of them is going to enter in. Now, I want to tell you, he says that over and over and over again in the next few verses I'm going to read to you. Not one, I mean not one, I mean not one of them. Nobody. Your grandmama, your cousin, your uncle, your daddy, your great-grandmama, all of you, not one of you will go into the promised land. You'll all be dead in 40 years. I'm going to let you wander around this wilderness for 40 years and not one of you who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt, in the wilderness. No, you saw me bless you. That's what he's saying. Oh, no, you were there when I, when I, when I smote Pharaoh. You were there when the Red Sea opened. You were there when you went to the hospital and almost died. You were there when God revived your finances. You were there when God gave you that job. He says, so not one of you who saw my glory, but then turned around and disobeyed me. And then he said, you didn't test me one time. You tested me 10 times. By the time you get to Numbers 14, God says, I have put up with this 10 times. That shows you how long his patience is. How many times has he put up with you? How many times has he given you a chance? How many times have you come home, promised, went back, come home, promised, went back? How many times? 10 times? You are saved, love God, care about Jesus, but you're standing before the judge. How many times have you been to court? Then you're praying for God, give, give me a miracle. I got, I got a court date. Yeah, you got a court date because you stole stuff. You were with the wrong people. Why? You know, Ten times. How many times has it been? I'm tired of you. Oh, don't be tired of me. Come on. I'm not trying to get you to be tired of me. I want you to hear me. Ten times. There comes a moment when he says, not, not one of you. Not one of you. But then he makes a distinction in, in chapter 14, verse 24. But, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, Goodness gracious. And follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land that he went to and to his descendants and his descendants will inherit. I want to stop there for a second because that's, that's, that's a key point. But not Caleb. Later he's going to say, and Joshua. He has a different keyword, spirit. He follows me wholeheartedly. Let me just help you. That's rare. To be sold out, totally in, totally committed. I had the greatest vision ever as a teenager, the greatest dream vision ever. Call it what you want, man. I was standing on a diving board and I was standing over this body of water, this, this pool. And in my heart and mind, this, this question came to my mind while I was standing in this dream. Jump in. The pool is me. Jump in and drown, Ricky Temple. Teenage boy, 17 years old, praying, talking to God. And in that moment of prayer, the Holy Spirit, it might have been 16, 16, jump in and drown. 
mortify the flesh, so totally surrender to God. There is that moment. There is that moment. I think of a good friend, Charles Singleton, tells his testimony how when he came to church one day, he used to sit outside and look mean, didn't come in church. He used to let <laughs> I hope you're watching, Charles. He used to sit outside the church and, and wait for church to be over. Wouldn't come in, look mean, whole time. But one Sunday, one day, they say he came in. And they say he came down the altar and fell on his knees. One day. Jumped in. Have you jumped in? Or is your toe in? Come on a Sunday. Give a few dollars. Say a couple of prayers. Sing a few songs. Some of you are singers. You're singing for Jesus and living for the devil. You don't, you're not totally committed. And you know it. Trying to make me feel bad? No. I just think you should be more thankful. I think during the holiday when you pray over your food, you should be saying, Lord, I'm not just thanking you for money and a house and a car. I'm thanking you for the chance to get my life right. I'm thanking you for coming and dying on the cross for me to set me free. I'm thanking you. I'm thanking you that you saved me during this season of, of death and loss and, and, and pandemic. You've been with me. That's what I'm hoping you're saying. Through my mistakes, through my failures, through the, the dark days that we've lived through. I want to say thank you. But my servant, Caleb, <laughs> verse 24, has a different spirit and he follows me wholeheartedly. That's the guy. But then Numbers 14, 26, he swings back again. And he starts talking again about those people that don't listen. How long will this wicked community grumble against me? Man, I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them. Tell them for me. Surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In the wilderness, your bodies will, will fall. Every one of every one of you, every one of you, 20 years and old or more, who are counted in the census and, who's, and who have grumbled against me. Not one of you. Will enter the land, I swore, with the uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb and Joshua, verse 31, as for your children, then you that you said would be taken as plunder. I will bring them into into enjoy the land you have rejected. But as for you and your bodies will fall in the wilderness, your children and the shepherds here for 40 years suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness for 40 years. One year for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. Wow. I read all that for a reason. I want you to think about it. He said, I want you to know what it's like to have me against you. Sometimes the things that I see happen in some communities, I wonder if it's not because it's we have been disobeying God. Some of the things in our nation, some of the division, some of the strife, is this not punishment for rebellion against God? He says, not one of you. And he says it again and again. But as for you, none of 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 you. None of you. 
Lord, help me be on the other side of this. The Lord has spoken. The Lord has spoken and says, I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community, which is a which is banded together against me. They will meet their end and this wilderness here. They will die. I don't like this. I wish this wasn't true. But I live with an awareness. That I need to be thankful. I have a theory and, you know, I get to name theories. People get to name theories, so I have to name a theory. And I, I call my theory, let me see, I call it the entrance, entrance denial theory. I'm going to have my staff put that on the screen for you. This is Ricky Temple's theory, right? It's called the entrance, like entrance into a door, entrance denial theory. Because of certain choices and attitudes, you can be denied entrance into certain opportunities for life. God will take you out of somebody's heart and they will find it hard to care or be concerned about what happens to you. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. Joshua and Caleb were allowed to go in, but everybody else was told they couldn't. Joshua and Caleb were allowed entrance. Everybody else was denied entrance. Here's what I believe happens. If let's say that I'm a jerk. I'm not, but let's pretend I was. Okay. If I'm a jerk. And I keep doing things, being disobedient, creating crisis. I believe what can happen is all of a sudden, favor can come off my life. And people, when they think of fun, they don't think of me. I am literally taken out of their hearts and, and denied entrance into certain areas because they don't want me to bring my jerkiness to them. This is how you don't get invited to a party, right? Because they go, if I bring you to the party, you're going to get drunk and act up and so nobody wants you there. And, and sometimes I think that's what happens. I'm denied entrance. That's what happened to the whole nation. And, and you got to be really clear about this. Sometimes in the way you behave, the way you respond, talk, communicate, you're denied entrance. And I know sometimes people can be unfair to you. And you can, you can it's, it's like an a, alarm that kind of goes off and you're just kind of always hearing these alarms in your mind and thinking, oh, my God, they don't like me. And maybe you're right. Maybe it is unfair. Maybe that's true. But then there are times when it's really because of what you've done. They put themselves here, but Joshua and Caleb had entrance. Are you going to be denied entrance? Is God going to say, you know, Pastor? I'm going to take you out of the heart of those people. They're not going to even like you anymore. They're not going to want to come to your church because you behave the way you behave. Is that what's going to happen in your job where your boss is going to literally, you're not going to have entrance into the executive opportunities because the way you behave. You want to be a superintendent. You want to be a principal, but you can't because of your behavior. You're denied entrance. And it's all because of a nation not being thankful having a good spirit. I love the statement he made, the spirit of Caleb, his attitude, the way he approached life. That's what got him in. What's keeping you out and what can get you in. Now, what's interesting is, as I close this, this incredible conversation between Moses uh, and the people. Joshua and Caleb, 
moved on in their life. They rehabilitated, um, made, uh, tried to rehabilitate the nation, did the best they could. But what's interesting is they didn't pray a lot and worry a lot about what they couldn't change. Once this was set, they knew it was settled. They knew that everybody 20 and older was going to die. They were clear. There was nothing they could do about it. Joshua's approach to this revelation was way different than Moses' approach. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 3, verse 23, there's this conversation between God and Moses that you should read. It's in Deuteronomy, chapter 3, verse 23 through 29, where Moses heard that he wasn't going to go into the promised land because he had a temper tantrum. And he had this big temper tantrum, and God stopped him and said, you won't go into the promised land. Joshua will. Moses went back to God, and he asked God, and he asked God. And in Deuteronomy, chapter 3, Verse 23, God basically tells him, stop asking me. You can't go in. You've been denied entrance. Because you didn't honor me in their presence, because you had a temper tantrum as a leader, because you hit the rock and smote the rock and called them names and cussed and all that, you can't go in. Because I don't want a leader. You don't, you're not qualified any longer to have this opportunity. So you get to come up here to the mountain and die, but they don't, you don't get this opportunity. Sometimes, sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, sometimes the lack of growth, the lack of success is tied to that. God is taking his hand off of this ministry. God's taking his hand off this business. God's taking his hand off this family, community, nation, a house divided, can't stand, falls apart. That's what he said. And because you've taken that stance and won't repent, but here's the bigger deal. Sometimes you can do it so long, repentance is fine, you're forgiven, but you still can't go in. That's what happens here. You still can't have that job. You lost that job. You lost the chance to go into the promised land. It's over. That, that gift is gone. That marriage is over. He's not coming back. She's not coming back. No. The child you molested does not want to go to dinner with you. No. Sorry. What do you do? Repent. I was asked a great question in prison one day by a guy. I was preaching and pre teaching a session in, in, a, in a prison. I did this prison tour for the state of Georgia for a while. It was a really wonderful opportunity. And one of the questions and answers, and we used to do a, like a 30-minute teaching on the book I wrote called Why Smart People Make Dumb Choices. They use that as a textbook in some of the prisons. And a good friend of mine and I wrote that, Deborah Pigay. But anyway, the book was used in prisons. And so one of the things we did was look at tour and I talked about making good choices. And then I did about 30 minutes or an hour Q&A with them. And it was phenomenal. And one of the guys asked this question. He said, he said, Pastor, I can ask you, what do you do? How do you go back to people you hurt? And how, how do I wrap my mind around that? And I said to, to the group, to him, First of all, you have to face the fact that what you did may not be something you can erase. Secondly, you have to understand that you have to forgive yourself. And thirdly, you have to understand that what you did may not be something that they can forgive you for. So you have to learn how to move on with your life the best you can. That promised land is over. They're never going to trust you again. You kill three people or one, whatever you did. They're not going to let you have the car again. And you took it and sold drugs out of it and shot, I mean, shot somebody. They're not going to do that. So what you need to do is build a new future. But it starts with you viewing yourself in the mirror and being honest. 
So for you, I want you to pause for a minute with me today. Forgive yourself and become thankful for the opportunity to be forgiven. Start today. Man, I believe with all my heart that what I've said is important. And all this works when you have good thinking habits. There's a benefit in being thankful and learning how to think right. Learning what works and what doesn't work. Learning how to unify and not be divided. I want to show you in the next sermon that we're going to share together how a person can think right and how it can lead to great unity. There's certain thinking habits that I want to teach you today. Now, next time we gather, that will help you think better. I believe that God cares about you, no matter where you are. Just because you lose that promised land, it doesn't mean there's not another one. There's another place that God can still bless you. Let's pray. Father, I pray for those who've heard this message. May it inspire them to respond and grow. May this be a transforming moment for them or they will never be the same. I thank you for loving them. I thank you for caring for them. May they open their hearts today and say, Jesus, I have not served you, but I want you to be the Lord of my life. May they invite Christ to be the Lord of their life today. May they raise their hands and say, I surrender my life to Jesus and I want my life to be changed. And I thank you for the opportunity to pray with them today. And I thank you for those who've heard this message. For some, it's really been a convicting message. For some, it's a stirring message. Wherever it lands, help them to respond and learn to be thankful. In Jesus' name. Well, I pray that inspired you to be thankful. I pray that you see the value and the danger of being unthankful or thankful. Hope you got that, right? There is a value in being thankful and a danger in being unthankful, ungrateful. Being the kind of person who never says, I appreciate the opportunity. It leads to a loss in your life. It can lead to some things you don't want to happen in your life if you're an unthankful person. So having said that, let me pray for you. Father, I pray that they would leave this conversation and say during this season of Thanksgiving that they want to be thankful. They want to honor you and appreciate the opportunities you've given to them. We give you all the praise for this opportunity in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, thanks for being with me. If the message blessed you, link it and send it to a friend. Let it inspire somebody else to be a great share of faith. It'd be a wonderful thing for you to do. So my time is up. I'll see you next time right here. And we have more to talk about. I want to close out and talk more about this whole idea of unity and division. What works and what doesn't work. What doesn't work is division. What does work is unity. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.